So if, uh, as, as Toby was saying earlier, um, if you haven't read that letter, there's a lot of really good things in there, and Colby shares his heart, and he's a lot of good things to say. But I think there's one thing in there that if you've read it, you probably noticed it too, that's not true. And Colby said that he would be easy to replace. And I think you guys know that that's not true. Now maybe you can, you'll be able to find another elder, another teaching elder who can come in and, and preach God's word um, faithfully and, and handle it well and teach the whole counsel of God. But with Colby leaving, uh, it, it, he's, he was more than just an elder to you guys, right? He, he's a friend, he's a confidant, he's a spiritual leader. Um, and so what I, to start off this morning, what I want to say is I think that, that it's really important for you guys as a church to be able to take some time and to grieve the loss of a friend. It's not like he's dying or anything, but right, he's, if they move on and they, they go do ministry elsewhere, um, you can still talk to him on the phone. But we recognize it's not going to be the same relationship. We've all been through this before at some level, I'm sure, where you've had a pastor, you've had a friend, and they've moved away, and you can stay connected. But you just recognize that Jesus calls the church um, the body, right? To lose a spiritual leader and your teaching elder, it's like your hand has been chopped off, right? Um, it's, not, it's not a small thing. It's not a simple thing. So there's going to be a time of healing and grieving. And I would just really encourage you guys as a church um, to not try and move on from that too quickly. But, um, and I think Peter is going to tell us the same thing, right? That we, we will move on in God's timing. Um, and the church will be able to do that as well. Um, and so we're going to look at this particular set of scriptures because there is a lot of good stuff in here for this particular situation, right? For, for the teaching elder moving on to, to other ministry things. Um, and so Peter is going to exhort the elders, the congregation. He is, going to, he is going to exhort you as a church to endure. And then he gives us one of the most glorious couple of verses of hope. Um, that we see in all of scripture. And so this is going to be a good time, I think. And it's going to really um, be an enlightening thing, uh, especially in light of what you guys are, you know, struggling with. And so 1 Peter 5, 1 to 11. So let me just read the first couple of verses here. Um, He says, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. So this is the, this is the first thing that we see. And once again, I think, so I, I am Baptist. I've been in the Baptist church my whole life. Like, it's just a part of who I am. And as Baptists, generally speaking, we... We don't, like most Baptist churches do not have a plurality of elders. Most Baptist churches have one pastor, and then, you know, if they leave, it's like, oh my goodness, there's nobody here. There's nobody left to lead us on a spiritual level. Um, You guys, this church has been faithful to God's word in how church should be established, and how church leadership should be established, right? That there should be a a multitude of elders. There should be plurality so that when one elder decides that they're going to move on you're not left in the lurch you're not well, what do we do now we have no spiritual leader you you guys have spiritual leaders right there are elders here in this church they are no less of an elder than colby was just because they weren't up here preaching every week you have spiritual leadership here ready and willing to serve you guys as a church you're not left without a pastor Don't think of yourself as left without a pastor. You're not. You guys 
have multiple pastors here who are ready. So Toby and Matt, now I don't understand exactly how you guys do this, but what I understand is that Toby and Matt are elders. Is that correct? And there's a leadership team that helps support them. Am I understanding how this works? Okay, good. So Toby and Matt, right, you guys are the elected elders of this church, right? And so Peter, in these verses, is speaking directly to you, you two men. Now, it doesn't mean that everybody else is like, oh, good, I could check out for 10 minutes, right? Because you guys need to hear their responsibility so that you can be praying for them, right? Because they have a huge task in front of them. And they need you. They need your support. And they need your prayers. And they need you to come alongside and to support them. So for the elders, this is God's charge to you, right? This is not my charge. This is what God is telling you as leaders, as the spiritual leaders of this church. This is what he is is expecting of you. Now, I suspect, right, none none of this is going to be new. You probably didn't hear that and be like, oh, I was supposed to do this willingly? Oh, man, like I thought I, thought I had to do this. I, had, I thought I had to be here. Right? So it, it's not like I don't think you're going to be learning anything new, but it's just going to be a good reminder of what God is calling to you, calling you to do. And the first thing that he tells us is that he wants you to shepherd the flock. So there's, I think, I mean, there's a lot that goes into that, but I think there's two major things that a shepherd does in his flock. Number one, he leads his sheep to green pastures, right? He leads them to, to food, to nourishment. And that is, your, that is one of your main jobs, is to lead this church, to find people, no matter what capacity, no matter whether it's Awanas or home groups, or when you guys eventually find the next teaching elder, that that person, that every time the Bible is opened and taught in this church, that is being done rightly and appropriately, that God's word is being, te- is being taught that we are not just giving our opinions, that no biblical leader is just spouting off nonsense, but that they are teaching God's word. It means that you have to keep close oversight over, every, over all of those who are teaching. The second, I think goes hand in hand with this, is that you are called to protect the flock. So you take that staff in your hand and you're ready to fight off the wolves, right? There will... I don't, I don't know how this happens, but I know that it happens, is that when a church becomes vulnerable, there will be people who will want to come and try and take advantage of that. And they will try and gain control, and they will try and come in and teach things. And Paul talks about it over and over again, that there are people who have infiltrated the church to try and teach things that are untrue and ungodly. Elders, you wield that staff. You fight them off. You don't let them come. You don't let anybody come in and try and harm this congregation. That's a big part of what it means to be the shepherd. And you care for the spiritual needs of the church. So church, Toby and Matt are just as much, once again, are just as much pastors, right? If you have spiritual needs, and maybe you were thinking, oh, I needed to talk to Colby about this, or you were in, in counseling with him about certain, some certain issue, Recognize that those two men are your pastors, that they are here to help you and counsel you in the same way that Colby did, in the same way that whoever God brings to this church as your next teaching elder, the same way, right? You are not, once again, you are not left without spiritual guidance. You are not left without spiritual counsel. Man, that is your job. It's a big part of your job. It's to engage in the spiritual needs of the congregation. 
Secondly, he is calling you to take on this role willingly, eagerly, and gently. This godly attitude that God expects is coming from a love from his church. So for you two guys, I, just, I, I encourage you, I challenge you to search your hearts, to make sure that serving in this role is where God has had you. Not because I see any reason why you shouldn't be, but because you know your hearts. And I, I, the whole three months that I've been here, I have never seen either one of you do anything outside of what Peter has commanded. Gentleness and lovingness and kindness to all of everybody, the, every interaction I've ever seen. But you know your hearts in a way that we don't, right? And so... I'm calling you to make sure that you know that this is what God is calling you to do. Because there's no shame if you decide that this call is not what, not what for you. The harm would be done is if you stay in a position and keep a responsibility that you don't feel like you want or that you don't feel like you're called for. And, what, and the reason I say this is because one of my best friends is a deacon of a church. And many times I've, people have approached him about being an elder. And he always says... Nope, no thank you, right? It's not my calling. That's not what God has called me to do. He does all of these tasks. He does all of the things. He is an amazing deacon. He does all of the deaconing super well. But if anybody were to ever ask him to stand up and preach, like I think he'd lose it, right? He would just break down. He's, it's not what God has called him to do. And so whatever it is that God is calling you to do, Across the board, anybody in this church, whatever God is calling you to do, if technology is your thing and you're good at that kind of stuff and you can make it where the gospel is being presented online and to the people who can't come to church, serve God faithfully in the skills that God has given you. If you love to clean, if, you, if it's your desire to come in and vacuum and tidy up the kitchen and clean the bathrooms, and that's how you serve the Lord, do it faithfully. Whatever God is calling you to do, do it faithfully. It's not a ranking system. It's not that elders are here and then deacons are subservient to them. Different skills, different gifts. God has given us different ability, every single one of us. Now for the congregation, right? Your statement is really short, but it's really hard. What did he say? Submit to your elders. There's a lot that goes into that statement, right? This is, this is an, an all of life kind of thing. God is calling you to trust in the men that he has placed in spiritual leadership within this church. Now, as Toby said earlier, I'm sure that there's a lot of questions. I'm sure you have a lot of questions about what's coming next and, and what the future holds. And my encouragement to you is to be patient. To trust that those men are doing the work to try and figure those questions out. To try and answer those questions. That you would be patient with them. Now everybody together, your calling is to put on this humbleness, right? This is what, this is what he tells us. At the end of this, clothe, your, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. Because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. This is the call for every single one of us. For the elders and for the congregation. You know, I skipped over a very important point. We're going to go back to it because I think it's verse 4, right? And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown 
of glory. We can't skip over that. So elders are being called to lead this church because they are under the headship of Christ. That is their calling. And that's what they are doing. And so elders, everything that you do, every decision that you make has to come under the headship of the chief shepherd. Every decision has to be gone back to the Bible and discussed and examined scripture. How would God have us to do this? Because Christ is our chief shepherd. He is the one who is going to give each one of us a crown. Right? We, we don't serve God in this life and have no heavenly rewards for that. The number of jewels in your crown is dependent upon how well you serve the Lord in this life. Now, we take that crown and then we lay it right back at the feet of Jesus. But wouldn't you rather it to be big? Wouldn't you rather it to have a thousand jewels that you can lay in glory to God at his feet than only five? Right? We want to see the reward because God receives more glory the more obedient we are. So Christ is our head shepherd. Elders, that is, that is who you are submitting to in these times. And now we can move on, right? So everyone clothed themselves in humility towards one another. Now there's lots of reasons for this. How many of you know somebody who is prideful and arrogant? Are they fun to be around? Not generally, right? It's not, it's not really like the, the people that we seek out. Oh, yeah, that guy who is a super jerk who thinks he's better than everybody. right? We don't want to be that guy because we want to be in community with one another. We want to make friendships here. But more importantly than that, Peter tells us that God opposes the proud. What more reason do you need than that to try and kill your pride every single day, to not let it take hold in your life? God will oppose you if you are proud. That's, that's reason enough for me to try every day to just put it away, right? To put it aside, to put on humility and put off pride. It's a constant struggle, right? We, we often think of ourselves far higher and far more important than we actually are. And that's pride, right? That's the thing we're fighting all the time. Don't let it get a foothold, but fight back against it. Now look at verse 6 with me. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Cast all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to to devour. Resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. All right, we'll save the last two. So let's look at that section. Humble yourselves now so that God can exalt you in his time. Ladies and gentlemen, now is not the time to talk about how strong and resilient the church is. I'm not saying that this church is not those things. I'm saying that now is the time for you guys to grieve and to humble yourself and say, we don't know what's coming next. We don't know exactly how we're going to move forward. Don't pretend like everything is okay if everything is not okay. You have lost a major family, a, a focal, important family in your church. It's okay for the church to not be okay, to not know exactly how to move forward. Just humble yourself 
and let God lead you, right? He will exalt the church back when it's his timing, when he is ready to do so. Now, it doesn't mean that you just are, like, completely clueless, right? It doesn't mean that there isn't a task in front of you, even in this very moment. God, God, in fact, commands quite a bit of you, right? He commands quite a bit of the church right here in these verses. Cast your anxieties on him. It's going to be tempting to worry about, what do we do now? What comes next? Where are we going to find the next teaching elder? Where are we going to, what are we going to do in the meantime? Who's going to be here week in and week out to preach? And there's a lot of questions, right? It doesn't mean that your, your elders and your leadership team are not going to try and find answers to those. But don't let that bring you down. Don't, don't become anxious and worried about these things. Cast your anxieties onto God. He cares about you. He sees what's happening and he loves this church. And he will provide for you. Don't allow yourself to become anxious over these things. Ask God to remove the worry from your heart. Ask him for a deeper faith and more trust in him. And then again in verse 8, be sober-minded. Be watchful. For your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. He is seeking someone to to devour You absolutely have to be sober-minded as a church together. What does that mean? Thinking clearly, right? Thinking clearly about what comes next, about how are we going to proceed together as a church, to think about that in a clear way. You have to be on your guard, right? Because the devil, once again, he's, I, once, I, don't, I don't understand, but I've seen it over and over again. So my mind doesn't work like this where I would see, oh, there's a church that's, that's struggling and in trouble. I'm going to find a way to get power or get authority or get, you know, whatever. I don't know how, what people think when they do that, but I've seen people do it many, many times in my life. After working with churches, I've been, I was youth minister for a long time. I've been in churches where pastors leave. And other people sort of snake their way in and take over and take power. And you think, where did that guy come from? And how did he do that? And it happens, right? People will try to take advantage. Satan is roaring around, right? He's looking for somebody to devour. If you guys are not sober-minded, if you're not as a church thinking clearly together, leadership, if you're not thinking clearly about how to proceed, about what comes next. And what I mean is, there is the temptation to be like, we got to find somebody as quickly as possible. we got to fill this position so that we have somebody here quickly as we can. I've also seen that many, many times in the Baptist Church. I've, been, I've, I've seen it happen once again as a youth minister, the pastor leaves. And within 24 hours, there's a committee to find the next pastor. Before they even think about what happened, it's like, we got to find the next guy. Without him, we're, we're stuck. Once again, you guys aren't stuck. You have pastors. You don't need to do that. You have spiritual leaders. The temptation will be to try and move too quickly. But I'm challenging you, think sober-minded. Take time. Think about what is happening. Think about what is coming next. Ten and eleven. This is where this big message of hope. It's so glorious. Look at it with me again. And after you have suffered for a little while, 
The God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. You guys are not alone in this. You can go to the Southern Baptist Convention's website and just look at the number of churches who are without a pastor, right? But once again, you guys aren't without a pastor, right? There are many churches who have nothing, who have no spiritual leadership, right? You're not the only ones who are suffering from this, and that's important to to think about and to realize. But more importantly than that, you're not alone in the sense that within one hour from here, there's at least three, at least three like-minded churches who know you guys, who love you, and who know what's going on, and are ready and willing to help and do anything and everything that you guys need help with. I talked with Tim Castillo. He's the pastor of Grace Hill in Farmington. His immediate response to me was a list of like nine men that he had in his church who were qualified to teach the Bible. And he said, pass these names along, pass my number along anytime they need help. These men will come, they'll preach, they'll give advice, they'll help. Talk to Josh at Florida Baptist, right? Same thing. He said, anything I can do to help this church. He wants to. He loves you guys. He loves this church. Tom at Gospel Church, same thing. He said, anything we can do to help, you let us know. You guys have just within an hour, and that's just three churches that I know. I'm sure there's many, many more who are ready. They know what's going on. They're ready to help you. They love you guys. They love this church. Maybe not as much as you do, right? As much, but they know what's happening, and they love you, and they want to help, and they will help. And they, they want to support you in whatever way they can. I bet you if you got on the phone tomorrow, you could have 15 people lined up ready to preach. Men who know God's word, who treat it with respect, who would preach it well. Verse 10 says, after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who has called you into his eternal glory in Christ will himself Restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. I bet you, you guys could read that verse like 10 times a day for like the next several months, and it still wouldn't get old, and it still wouldn't lose its power of encouragement. I mean, praise God, what a promise. What a gift that God is promising to you. He will be the one to restore you. He will be the one to bring and confirm you and strengthen you and establish you. He's going to do it, right? He's going to do it in his timing, but he's going to do it. He will be the one to do these things. So as you look to the future, don't feel the burden. Don't allow yourself to feel weighed down by what is going to happen and trying to answer all the different questions and trying to navigate everything under your own wisdom because it's not possible, right? Trust in God's wisdom. He is going to do these things. So be faithful to God. 
Be faithful to preach the gospel from this pulpit and from, all, and from your Awana classrooms and, and your midweek Bible studies. All the different places where you have the opportunity to share the Bible with people. Be faithful in doing that. Serve, all, serve God in all that you do as a church. I think this is the most important passage, or the most important verse of the whole passage, is allowing God to do these things. Be patient. Be as long-suffering as he requires for the things that are in front of you, for the, for the conflict, or for, for whatever is going on, right? For the problems that you see, God will solve them. Don't try and move too quickly. Don't try and go in there and find your own solutions, but let God do this. Because God's rule and God's authority is far more important than any church. Because there will come a day when this church will no longer exist. Maybe it will exist until the new Jerusalem comes, until the new creation. I don't know. But you know what's not ever going to go away? To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. We are serving a God whose dominion will never fail will never go away. Churches come and churches go. Churches open their doors and they close, but the dominion of God is forever. No matter what happens here, no matter what happens in the future of this church or the future of Christianity in our country or our world, the dominion of God lasts forever. There is nothing anybody can do to stop that. And my encouragement to you is that if you as a church are remembering that then he is going to restore you. He is going to bring you back. He is going to strengthen you again in his timing and in his way. But we can't lose sight of that. We can't lose sight of the fact that we are serving God's rule and God's kingdom and God's reign. It's not about FBC Bayfield. right? He will do what he wants to do with this church and he will raise it up and strengthen it in his timing. Just remember, don't ever forget this verse. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we love you so much. And we admit that we have a hard time trusting in you and waiting on you. We want to do things the way that we see. We, we, we might see a solution and we want to grab it and we want to go for it. Lord, I just pray that for the leadership of this church and for the congregation of this church, that they will remember and trust that it will be in your timing, that you solve all of the things, all of the problems and all of the things that are going on. Lord, that they wouldn't rush ahead to try and find their own solution, but that you will be clear with them. Who is it that you want to come in and fill this spot? And what do you want to see happen in the future of this church? Lord, we know that it's in your hands. And I just pray that they will be able to trust you deeply. They will cast their anxieties upon you. That they will trust that in your timing that you will bring them and strengthen them and restore them and bring them back. Lord, help them in a time of sadness and grieving where they have lost a friend, and a pastor. Lord, we, we pray for Colby and his family. Lord, that whatever ministry you are leading them into next, that it would be multiplied. Lord, that, that people would be saved. 
that the gospel would be preached just as he did here, that he would do wherever you lead him next. And Lord, that you would bring healing and restoration here at the church, that they would be led well by the elders and by the leadership team. Lord, that you would strengthen them, that you would give them wisdom and discernment about how to best move forward. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.